Don't touch that dial because it's TGIF right here on ABC. Up first at 8 is the history of ABC getting kicked in the ratings by NBC. Then at 8.30, it's marketing guru Jim Janicek as he lays the foundation for the greatest television moments of the millennial generation. Then at 9, the lovable Steve Urkel hijacks the message of Family Matters. And at 9.30, ABC hits pay dirt with the creepy Olsen twins. Yes, a deep dive into ABC's TGIF TV lineup this week on TWAT. Oh my god, it spells twat? Hi, I'm Ray. And I'm Rob. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. Today we are looking at one of the staples of the 1990s childhood, TGIF. Every Friday night, ABC from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., some of the greatest sitcoms of all time. Ray, were you a fan of TGIF? Oh, I thanked God it was Friday every week. Well, technically you're supposed to say, thank goodness it's Friday, or thank goodness it's funny. Oh, well, at that time I was still religious. I understand. Now, this was a thing because if you are a child of the 90s, you were glued to your television on Friday nights because you could not miss the comic hilarity and sweet moral lessons weaved through a laugh track on Wild of such shows as Perfect Strangers, Family Matters, Step by Step, Full House, and Boy Meets World. We then peppered our conversations with phrases like, don't be ridiculous. You got it, dude. And... Then I do that the whole weekend long to show we were up to date with TGIF. But while we fondly think of Balky Bartokumus and Steve Urkel, Uncle Jesse, Mr. Feeney, and so many more, we really need to take a moment and thank Jim Janicek. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Now, you might not know who he is, but if your parents gave you delicious helpings of Urkelos for morning breakfast, then you must thank Jim Janicek. Let's take a look at television in the 1980s. In the mid to late 1980s, there was really only three TV networks that mattered. Sorry, Cable. Sorry, Fox. And that was CBS, NBC, and ABC. I know you were going to say the Dumont Network, and Mm -hmm. that's not right. And in the 1980s, NBC was king with shows like Cheers, The Cosby Show, and The Golden Girls. CBS was doing well for itself with Dallas and Murder, She Wrote, in 60 Minutes. ABC had Dynasty and Football. And did I mention Dynasty? They were known for family-friendly fare in the 50s and 60s till Fred Silverman, friend of the podcast, uh, came in and made it all about TNA. And now that he was gone, ABC, they didn't know what they were. So ABC was clearly struggling and needed a change, but what it really needed was a way to stand out from the competition. Jim was a writer and a producer for ABC Entertainment, and they oversaw promoting the network's Tuesday to Friday comedy lineup, Monday Was Football, which in 1985 included the struggling... Who's the boss? Benson and Mr. Belvedere. Now, Benson had pretty much run its course, so it was just Who's the Boss and Mr. Belvedere. And those two shows were good, 
But what was the audience for those shows? Who's the Boss was somewhat sophisticated, but the breakout star was Alyssa Milano. And Mr. Belvedere had no breakout stars, except for the fact that Christopher Hewitt his balls broke yeah, out of his tracksuit. And folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Christopher Hewitt testicles. How do you compete with the present? Jim came up with a very easy answer. Look at the past. When he was a kid, Jim remembered gathering with his family and watching the wonderful world of Disney on Sundays. But that was one long lone entity. Could you create one night of magic spread out over four different shows? And what night would that be? What if it was Friday nights when other networks had really had nothing to put on knowing that their audience was out because it was adults? So parents and their kids needed something to watch on Fridays, not teenagers because the teenagers were out partying. So what could the parents enjoy and what could little kids enjoy? The only problem was with Jim's idea that each of the shows he was considering would be run by independent production companies. So they all had to agree that the synergy of being like tied in with three other shows would benefit their show. And then ABC would have to sign off on that as well. Luckily, one show's popularity was so high and its actors so charming, they became the face of ABC comedy. And where they went, the others might just follow. That show was Perfect Strangers. Mm. Starting in 1986, ABC dominated Wednesday nights with a Miller Boyette comedy called Perfect Strangers. The premise was simple. Larry had just started his life as a bachelor in Chicago when his distant cousin Balky from Meepo shows up and decides to live with him. Balky learns the joys of America. Don't forget the dance of joy that became iconic with this show. And Larry learns to loosen up a little bit. Now, the writer said that the idea for this show came from the 1984 Olympics when a surge of patriotism swept America. But no network was interested. They kept turning it down. They needed a star. Enter... Bronson Pinchot, who had just made a name for himself as Surge in the Beverly Hills Cop movie with Eddie Murphy, hottest movie star at the time, hottest film, and ABC agreed to capitalize on his heat. They cast Mark Lynn Baker as straight-laced Cousin Larry. Originally, it was Louis Anderson. And Baker and Pinchot had incredible chemistry together. They were brilliant comic actors, and ABC had a smash hit. Now, unlike NBC's Cheers and the Golden Girls, this show was not about verbal comedy and sophisticated relationships. They danced the dance of joy, dressed as Laurel and Hardy, Balky slept with a sheep, and the show made audiences of all ages laugh. It was a show you could mute and still love. And that is a compliment. First, ABC tried on Wednesdays to use Perfect Strangers to promote their other shows like Head of the Class. We're Perfect Strangers. And friends like us. Problem. Don't be ridiculous. Then it's Head of the Class. Oh, we got straight in. We want to change the world. Oh, God, that is. Perfect Strangers. Head of the Class. was the night on ABC. But in March of 1988, Perfect Strangers moved to Friday to become the foundation of the Friday entertainment, and the interstitials went along with them, making Larry and Balky the hosts of the Friday night lineup. 
hosts that the audience trusted, and that had a connective thread running through the lineup. Now, this is pretty revolutionary to somehow be able to connect all of yeah. these shows together on one evening. Here's the uh, Perfect Strangers ad advertising that they're moving to Friday. When it comes to plumbing, you don't know both deadly. It's a new night for Perfect Strangers. That depends on what you plumbers consider an emergency. Starting next Friday. Did you see the Poseidon adventure? This is them telling us they're moving at 9 o'clock. Starting next Friday, Perfect Strangers is on a whole hour later. I'm trying to tell them that, but we only have five seconds left. Five seconds. Watch Perfect Strangers next Friday. It's new time, 9 o'clock. 8 o'clock, Central Mountain. Now, with Perfect Strangers now anchoring Friday night, Jim decided that this would be the best time to launch his Friday night lineup of family-friendly shows, all hosted by Marklin Baker and Bronson Pinchot. For the first time, this is before it becomes like officially branded, the first Friday night slot was Miller and Boyette's Perfect Strangers at 8, Full House at 8.30, Mr. Belvedere at 9, and just the 10 of us at 9.30. That's going to change a little bit in 1989 because we're going to throw Full House into that mix. Oh, my God. Now, believe it or not, on September 22nd, 1989, TGIF was born, and it was born with Dancing Mice. Yes, they decided to do a theme song to signal that it was now Friday night comedy night. They also could not figure out what they wanted to call Friday night. So some of the titles were Friday Night Funnies, Fresh New Funnies, Friday Fun Club, Friday Laugh Factory, Friday Night Laugh-tacular, Time for Fun. TGIF was a contender on that early list of possibilities, but Jim found it a little problematic because of the TGIF restaurant chain. And then he also thought, well... We're also going to have problems with the fact that it's, thank God, it's Friday and the censors won't or the Sanderson practices won't like that. So they were like, what if we called it, thank goodness, it's Friday. And then finally, the ABC president, Bob Iger, said, why don't we just say, thank goodness, it's funny. But we know it as TGIF. Okay. Here is the first night of TGIF. Hi, and welcome to TGIF. Thank goodness, it's funny. We've got the whole night of fun lined up for you, starting with Full House. This week, Stephanie gets her nose broken right before for picture day at school. Boy, cousin, most kids would just comb their hair and put on a clean shirt. And here's the bumper. Bob Costello of Burbank was just an ordinary guy until he started watching the Fun Club. Now he's the most popular Bob on the beach. He shaved 32 strokes off his golf game and won a condo in Switzerland to take his new friends. Bob says he's a fun guy because of Full House. Yeah. Mr. Belvedere, Perfect Strangers, and Just the Ten of Us. Is it an unusual turn of luck? For living proof, watching ABC on Friday is worth more than a good laugh. Watch this Friday and you too will be as popular as Bob. Now, instead of Perfect Strangers, to spice it up, it was Dave Coulier, John Stamos, and the Olsen Twins. And for them, once again, it stands for Thank Goodness It's Friday. So this is them announcing what the TGIF lineup is going to be. Coulier and Stamos also announced a new policy in which stars from the other three TGIF programs would rotate hosting responsibilities along with them on a week-to-week basis. So sorry, Perfect Strangers. Now, Full House is going to be... like doing the lead off, yeah. but they're going to trade with all the other shows. Okay. Let's look at the other shows because we've talked about Perfect Strangers a little bit. Full House was the Brady Bunch of the 1980s. Once again, another Miller Boyette production. It debuted in 1987 and followed the story of San Francisco widower Danny Tanner raising his three daughters. Ray, with the daughter's names were Michelle. Yes. DJ. Yes. And. Starts with an S. 
Stephanie. Very good. And finding that he needed some help. So enter his brother-in-law and his childhood friend to live with him and help out. Who played the brother-in-law? Brother-in-law was uh, 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 John Stamos. Yes. And he played the character name. Uncle Jesse and Dave Coulier played Uncle... uh, 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 Starts with a J, too. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm screwing this up right now. Joey Gladstone. Joey, God damn it. Uncle Joey. Now, with this show, ABC was in press heaven. John Stamos played Uncle Jesse, who was a sexy beast. He garnered huge ratings. DJ was being played by Candace Cameron, whose brother Kirk Cameron was Hollywood's heartthrob and fellow ABC star on Growing Pains. But it was the role of Michelle Tanner, the littlest that made ABC go bonkers. Now, due to child labor laws, two actors were needed to play the baby. So twin sisters Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen were employed and credited as Mary Kate Ashley Olsen. (laughs) Here's some of the joy of the Olsen twins in action. Well, pretty soon he's going to turn into a beautiful butterfly. No way, Jose. Were you a Full House fan? I liked Full House, yeah. I liked the Full House lead-in into uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, yes. Were you also a uh, Perfect Strangers fan? I don't remember specifics about Perfect Strangers, but I remember it as a show. I think it's a very funny show, and it still holds up today. And once again, it's a lot of physical comedy, which is great. Now, the last show that was part of the TGIF lineup, which is one we don't really even talk about anymore, was a show called Just the Ten of Us. Here's the bumper. You mousy. Check your watch. Our mascot should be showing up right about now. That means it's almost time for just the ten of us. How much time do we have left? Five seconds. Four, Four, three, two, one. So it was a spinoff of Growing Pains. Okay. There was a coach on Growing Pains named Coach Lubbock that was played by Bill Kirschenbauer, the stand-up comedian, bald guy, a little portly. Okay. And they decided to give him his own spinoff. And so the spinoff was about him, his wife, and their eight children. So that's why it was called Just the Ten of Us. It didn't last very long. It wasn't a very charming show. I don't think the cast was very charming. So they had to find something else in this slot. Let's now talk about the other show that was an element of T-G-I-F. And that was a little show called Family Matters. It's the bigger love of the family. Family Matters was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. Harriet, the elevator operator on Perfect Strangers, became the star of Family Matters. Family Matters was, it's interesting because Perfect Strangers was so wild and wacky, but Family Matters was going to be a domestic comedy about middle-class family life for a black family in Chicago. Family Matters followed like the Miller Boyette formula. And their formula, and this is a quote of theirs, uh, was there were two basic elements that we felt were important. One was to give every show some moment of real human connection. The second thing was we tried to fulfill the fantasy where a dad would sit on the sofa and say, what's the problem, son? Let's talk. Boy, it says that element was the creation of Miller and in TGIF circles, that warm and fuzzy moment came to be known as Miller time. (laughs) So on Perfect Strangers, like I said, we met elevator operator Harriet Winslow, who lived in Chicago with her police officer husband, Carl, his mother, Grandma Winslow, their kids, Eddie, Laura, and Judy, Harriet's sister, Rachel, and her son, Richie. And the show followed the little Miller Boyette formula, which was that a little moral lesson would be at the end of the show, and you always knew it was serious because there would be serious underscoring, a hug, and an audience awe, and a joke to get us back into reality. Here's an example of one of those moral lessons. It's a brilliant act from Reginald Vell Johnson, who played Carl Winslow. He's a police officer. 
Many years ago, he made a mistake trying to prevent a robbery. He shot his gun and ended up killing an innocent bystander. And so what he does is every year on the anniversary, he goes to this person's grave and leaves flowers. And at this time, when he goes to visit the grave, he runs into the man's widow. Oh, wow. And this is an example of what Family Matters was supposed to be. For a long, long time, I found it difficult to live with the fact that if I hadn't asked Charles to go to that store, he would still be with me. Oh, but Mrs. Mallory, there was no possible way you could have known what would happen. It, it wasn't your fault. <laughs> I know, but it took me a long time to realize that. And now, you must realize that it's not your fault either. Okay? Okay. So that brings you wow. back a flood of nostalgia, right? Now, midway through the first season, episode 12... There was an episode entitled Laura's First Date, where the oldest daughter bemoans not having a date for the school dance. So her father and brother decide to set her up with a neighbor, Steve Urkel, a geek with a good heart who might be able to assuage Laura's sadness. Here's the first appearance on Family Matters of Steve Urkel. Episode 12? Episode 12, season one. was clad in a button-up to his neck, suspenders, high-waisted pants, glasses too big for his face, and a nasal voice. He was embodied by 12-year-old actor Jaleel White, and he was only supposed to be on this one episode, but he was good. He was really good. This is a quote from Jaleel White talking about the first taping. He said, I was just a black kid doing a bad Ed Grimley. For my first taping, a frat showed up. Any scene that I wasn't in, they were chanting, Urkel, 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 like, we don't want to watch this shit. Bring the nerd back. I'm coming out between scenes and waving at them, and I'm not a star in the least. As a matter of fact, I walked with them to their cars because we were all parked in the same structure. Wow. So the producers put him in the next episode, then a few more. Then they went back and filmed scenes to put in episodes one through 11 Shut up. to make it look like he had been there since the beginning. And so the soon this show about a family struggling through Chicago in the 1990s is now about a geeky nerd with a laugh in his nose and a song in his heart. That song, of course, do the Urkel. Your pelvis, I'm telling you, baby, it's better than that. 
Now, if ABC thought they had a good with the Olsen twins, the Urkel mania was astounding. Urkel merchandise included a talking doll, trading cards, posters, books, lunchboxes, t-shirts, and a limited edition cereal, Urkel O's. The Urkel was so popular, they even got B. Arthur to do it. The network and the writers only cared about Urkel mania so much so that when little Judy Winslow went upstairs and never came down again, nobody cared. They got rid of her. When the actors complained about the show being called Family Matters and there was no family, nobody cared. For the series syndicated runs, like I said, producers inserted specially done minute tag sequences to the preceding episodes that did not contain Urkel. That made it look like Urkel was part of the series from the beginning. The show then decided to exploit White even more and put him in drag as Urkel's cousin, Myrtle Urkel. And with the use of a personality machine, he became the suave Steve Urkel. Stefan. Stefan Urkel, that's right. Here's Stefan. <laughs> Steve? Steve. Steve who? Steve Urkel. You. No, 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 no. There is no Steve here. I'm Stefan, sweet thing. Yes, this show, which started with a middle-class black family dealing with life and love, now dealt with cloning machines, going to space, and time machines. I want you to think of that scene I first played for you, where Reginald Johnson is crying at the grave. Then think of all the stuff with Urkel. <laughs> Back to school. Backpack. Lockers. Lockers to hide in. Speaking of school, what's the biggest lesson you ever learned? Hmm. To subscribe to Patreon to help keep this show on the air. I learned that in economics. Ooh, I was sick that day. How do I subscribe? Well, to be one of the cool kids, become one of our Patreon supporters and help keep this show on the air. Head on over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search for this was a thing and said a monthly donation even a dollar a month helps us your contributions help continue doing what we're doing good to know well i'm gonna subscribe then get a note to get out of p.e rob i have moderate to severe plaque psoriasis oh so after just the 10 of us got canceled other shows tried to cycle through in that last little 9:30 slot the first one was called going places and it was put on to attract some viewers in their 20s to me it's kind of like friends before friends the show starred alan ruck and heather locklear huh. and dealt with four young hollywood writers living together and it flopped until it was retooled with younger characters but then the rating spike did nothing and it was dropped and replaced with a show called baby talk if you remember the oh. movie look who's talking it's a tv version of that that also didn't last too well it wasn't until 1991 and 1992 that miller boyer hit gold again in their friday night slots and in came the show step 
by Step, which was a modern-day Brady Bunch that starred Suzanne Somers and Patrick Duffy. Because of Step by Step and Baby Talk, a show had to be sacrificed in the Friday night lineup. And in 1991 to 1992, they moved Full House to Tuesdays really, to help a new show called Home Improvement. Oh, Full House would be the lead-in to Home Improvement. Wow. And then after Home Improvement would be the juggernaut Roseanne. So they felt by sandwiching home improvement in between these two juggernauts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sorry, Full House, but there you go. Now, they need to make sure the TGIF still stays on brand. So during the summer months, they had all the stars do interstitials and also do trivia competitions. One of my favorite things about the interstitials is for some reason, they love to rhyme. It's Friday night and the mood is right. We're going to have some fun, show you how it's done, TGIF. It's TGIF time. It's time, I suppose, to exhibit a wonderful lineup of shows. And I must disclose that this lineup of shows will make you feel good from your head to your toes. Now, Full House's first of four shows to be hauled deals with Jesse and marriage. His thoughts are twofold. His heart says yes, yes, but his feet get real cold. It's time now to watch the Full House plot unfold. No matter what, ABC was conquering the network battle for merch. Apparently, I was the only one who wanted the Wings lunchbox from NBC. <laughs> Plus, the Q committee, you know the Q testing, Q rating? Yeah, Q rating. For folks who don't know, the Q rating is they take a bunch of random people, they show them photographs of celebrities, and then those people rate them based on likability and unlikability. When they were doing that for ABC, I, they pulled up a photo, I think, of like John Stamos, and the person said, that's the guy from TGIF. Didn't say that's the guy from Full House. Didn't say that's John Stamos. It's the guy from TGIF. So it felt like TGIF, even though it was four separate shows, felt like one show. And like all things successful, it has to be copied. Not by a rival network, oh no, but by themselves. (laughs) Soon Jim was put in charge and he tackled Wednesday with The Hump. And that was shows like Dinosaurs, The Wonder Years, Growing Pains, very briefly, and Doogie Howser. It was a bit more sophisticated with no interstitials, no hosts. They launched in August of 1991, and Hump ended in October of 1991. Wow. As they couldn't figure out when to demark the end of the family shows and the beginning of the adult fair. And one of the big shows in that adult fair was a show called Good and Evil, which was only remembered for its controversy of having a blind character that consistently destroyed everything with his white cane. But it's okay. Sorry, good and evil, because Jim also had MCTV, which stood for More Cool TV, (laughs) which launched in Saturday mornings and featured shows like Land of the Lost and the cartoon Hammer Man starring MC Hammer. Hammer Man! Then in 1992, Jim launched I Love Saturday Nights, (laughs) which now held dying sitcoms like Growing Pains and Who's the Boss. To boost those shows, they moved Perfect Strangers to Saturdays. Oh, Now, this I Love Saturday Nights only ran five weeks, but it did feature this wonderful one-off in those five weeks. Tonight, the man from Urkel, Jaleel White, stars in his own story of cinematic romance. With Vanessa Williams as sis, Little Richard as his psychic, Nell Carter as the principal, and Urkel as himself. (laughs) The Jaleel White Special. What? And then they decided to see how much they could 
do doing like tie-ins and making them all feel interconnected. So in 1991, they did a TGIF where characters from the other shows were in everyone else's show. So like people from Family Matters were in Full House and people from Full House were in... It's the know, multiverse. It's the, the TGI- multiverse, yeah. How annoying could one kid be? Hi, Steve. Listen, Steve, uh, DJ and Julie were never here and they're never coming back. Never? Well, that's okay, I'll wait. And then to launch Step by Step, the first episode also featured Steve Urkel. So here's Steve Urkel on Step by Step. I'm glad you made me come to the dance tonight, Steve. I owe you one. And easy debt to repay. May I have this dance? You got it. Hey, buddy! Play a molto vivace with a mezzo allegro and an up-tempo backbeat. Play a fast one. In November of 1995, ABC hosted a Beatles anthology, so oh, that meant yeah. each show had their theme song replaced by a Beatles tune for the week, except for Boy Meets World, which was the Monkees. Then they, in 1997, they did a thing where each episode of TGIF featured the characters traveling back in time, and that was called Time Goes Insane Friday. 1997 was also Hanson Night. Now, other shows obviously rotated through from this. The first big rotation was a show called Dinosaurs. Do you remember Dinosaurs? I have Funko Pops of Dinosaurs. Jim Henson, uh, not the baby. Not the mama. Not the mama. Well, I, yeah, not the, I, I got in trouble in preschool because I would go around hitting people on the head saying, not the mama, not the mama. And there was a note on the side of my refrigerator growing up from my preschool teacher writing that Raymond... <laughs> Raymond's been hitting fellow students on the head from a TV show. I mean, the people that created this show, they wanted to do something political. And so if you watch Dinosaurs, it actually has a lot of like social satire to it. And so the idea, though, on Dinosaurs was almost a warning to humans, which is like, if you keep treating the world interesting the way you're doing now, you're going to end up like the dinosaurs. So the big thing, yes, was Baby Sinclair, who was a little baby dinosaur, and he had a catch line, not the mama. Here it is. Not the mama, 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 not the mama. You do that one more time, and I'm going to throw you across the room. But the most controversial part of Dinosaurs when they decided to pull it off the air, and in the series finale, the entire prehistoric dinosaur population dies. And ABC objected to it because they're like, you're going to kill baby Sinclair. (laughs) So if you remember, the last episode is all of the dinosaurs sitting in the living room waiting for the comet to hit them. A little dark. So sad. A A little sad. Then a little bit later on, comes a show that I know so many people love and I actually don't know it all that well. It debuted in 1993 in the 830 slot after Family Matters and that was Boy Meets World. It 
in Boy Meets World, they actually do an interesting flip on it, which is most sitcoms are either about the oldest child or the youngest child. And in this one, Boy Meets World, they decided to take it from the point of view of the middle child. Mm -hmm. And uh, the character is named Corey. And of course, he had a mentor who was also his neighbor, Mr. Feeney, played by the great William Daniels. And Boy Meets World actually tackled a lot of serious issues. One of the big issues on Boy Meets World, if those of us remember, is that Corey had a girlfriend named Topanga. They were 19 years old and decided to get married, uh, which made ABC go absolutely nuts. Really? Yeah, because they were like, why are you marrying off these 19-year-olds? And so the producers of Boy Meets World ran a poll on ABC's website asking fans if they thought the pair should get hitched. The pro-marriage response was so overwhelming that ABC ordered Boy Meets World writers to schedule the wedding episode during the sweeps period. Of course. Then, of course, there was also a, one of my favorite shows, Sister, Sister, which also debuted in 1993. Were you a fan of Sister, Sister? Don't you know how much I missed you? T and Tamara? Oh, yeah. Okay. Antage. Oh, you are an expert. I played football against him in eighth grade. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now, I'll be honest with you. This is when I started getting older and started not being at home on Friday nights. So things like Boy Meets World and Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Mm. which was also part of the Friday night, I'm not really like all that familiar with. So uh, I'm so curious to hear what people have to say about it. But it was very clear that towards like the late 90s, TGI Fridays was just not going to last any longer there were so many things killing it one there was cable so kids could watch cable now there mm-hmm. were, it used to be that there was only one tv set in the house now kids had tv yeah. sets in their room all of that was going to like kill tgif so by 1999 2000 it was clear tgif had run its course and they knew it so they removed on their friday night block they removed all the tgif interstitials and the songs and the idea of tgif and they were like, we're not going to do TGIF on Friday nights. We're going to do work in it Fridays. <laughs> yes, all the shows would be about work. Two guys, a girl, a pizza place, Norm, the trouble with normal, and Madigan. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Friday night, when you're leaving work, work yeah. you can't, do you want to watch you more yeah. work? By 2002, Disney bought ABC, and Michael Eisner demanded TGIF come back, and that made advertisers coming running back. Only problem was ABC didn't own syndication rights to all the programs. Oh, good. So Eisner demanded something go on in the TGIF slot, and so they featured the drama State of Grace, (laughs) According to Jim, and the hit family (laughs) pleaser, Alias. Sponsors were not pleased, and the fallout was pretty great. TGIF did return in 2003 with a fresh lineup, the George Lopez show, Life with Bonnie, Married to the Kellys, and Hope and Faith, none of which really did anything for ABC. ABC saw the writing on the wall and realized that reality TV would be the rage and started turning its Friday nights over to shows like Shark Tank, Wife Swap, and What Would You Do? Then in 2018, it was decided to reinstate TGIF as just a night of comedy, no other things like the hosts and the gimmicks, and the block included Fresh Off the Boat, Speechless, and the game show Child Support. Um, <laughs> and it was done by 2019. That is pretty much the history of TGIF and all of its wonderful shows. Uh, I'm so curious to hear about who you think is like the most iconic TGIF character. What were some of your favorite shows? And do you remember any of these crossover things? It was such a huge part of our childhood. So the next time you think of your Friday nights fondly, you best be thinking of Jim Janicek. There's also a few other things we should thank Jim for, and we'll discuss that after the break. This was a thing, this was a thing. And now... This is a sketch. Hey, 
Hey, millennials, remember ABC's TGIF bumpers? As if. Well, we are bringing them back to our new ABC lineup home skillets. Hijinks ensue on The Rookie when Alyssa makes a big no-no with her bosses. Oh, snap! Then the wacky doctors over at Grey's Anatomy try to help DeLuca out of another jam. Okay? She's threatening her or, or her family. I know it. Okay? She's, she's torturing her. She's selling her. Bailey, stop this, please. If you ever want to step foot in my hospital again, go with security to my office. Oh. <laughs> Take a chill pill, DeLuca. Then at 9 p.m., sisters Grace and Danielle Sullivan find themselves taking a joyride with Officer Rick and his brother Ron under the big sky. Damn it, we're overheated. Lock the doors. What? We're fine. Then we'll be getting jiggy with Juju Chang at Nightline as she exposes the gnarly child trafficking sex rings right in your own backyard. We're gonna bring you a really powerful and eye-opening report that might challenge everything you think you know about prostitution. Yeah, homies, it's all here on ABC. We don't do a lot of comedy anymore, do we? Thank you, this was a sketch. Now, Jim's ability to brand was copied by other networks. NBC in 1993 did must-see TV, which was their Thursday night lineup, and that had theme nights and sure. crossovers. There was one theme night, I think, where like every show had dealt with a blackout. Every show okay. lost power. There were the crossover episodes where characters from the other sitcoms would show up. So like, you've learned that in Seinfeld... Jerry's old apartment belonged to Paul Reiser's character from Mad About You. So like there was like, so he knew Kramer. So they used to do things like that. That didn't really work all that well. Huh. CBS also attempted to do like a Friday night family night and took Family Matters and Step by Step from ABC. They were at the end of their line, but they were like, if we bring in these two TGIF established Got things. It. We'll start from there. That also didn't do very well. Jim also should be celebrated for the fact that he found a demographic that I don't think anyone ever thought existed, and that was 10 to 18 years old, maybe even a little bit lower yeah. than 18, but a group of people that they're too old for like the young baby things, but they're not old enough to go out and yeah. you know have a good time. So what do you do to market to them? That's where the trading cards, the cereals, that's where all that stuff came in. So you still had toys, but they weren't like baby toys for it. The idea of linking programs and unifying nights around based a theme or a tone, that I think we still see today. Like the office and the 30 rocks and all of that, like all sort of being united by the way they're going to present mm -hmm. the show. The family nights still on ABC, just on different nights. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But for me, the big thing I think we need to thank Jim for is he employed two individuals that I'm obsessed with. Jesse Frederick and Paul Save. They wrote all the theme songs <laughs> for TGI Friday. Okay. They wrote Here it is. Perfect Strangers, Full House, Family Matters, and Step by Step. And on NBC, Valerie. <laughs> so if nothing else, the fact that Jesse and Paul gave us Perfect Strangers, Family Matters, Full House, and Step by Step, come on. Now, quiz for you. In the pilot, and for the first, I think, season or so, what was the theme song for Family Matters? It was a pre-established song. I don't know. What a wonderful world. 
Huh. Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. And that just didn't fit Urkel. <laughs> that just didn't fit. Jaleel White didn't like it. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you a question about TGIF. Let's imagine from all the people that we've talked about, like the characters, who would you love to get dinner with? Oh, jeez. I mean, it's probably going to have to be someone from Full House. I think you and Uncle Joey would get along. No. Well, maybe. I think, but it, it would just be too much for anyone else around us. <laughs> Sorry, Uncle Joey. Just, no, just because we're going to be playing off each other. I want to hang out with Larry and Balky. You said one. Oh, one? Balky. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Bronson Pinchot made a whole career in that I character. Know. But, you know, I feel bad for Bronson Pinchot now because now when you walk down the street and someone sees him, it's like he's a what? perfect stranger. Step by step, day by day. Well, this is where I like the sad music, Daniel. Ray, I always knew that we were going to be good friends, but I didn't know that we were going to turn into family. And you see, Ray, sometimes family isn't just people related by blood. It's related by love. Do you understand what I mean? Is this from Angels in America? No, this is from Angels in My Heart. Get over here, you big lug. This is where I want the awe, the laughter, (laughs) and an 80s theme song to play us out. Wanna play a game? Yes. This was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. With Mark Schroeder. So, Mark, did you ever watch TGIF growing up? Uh, Individually. I didn't watch The Block. I wasn't aware. I was a rerun guy. I saw a lot of reruns. Friday nights, I was out getting pussy. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's fair. Mm -hmm. But I I would watch those shows individually, and I loved them all, I'll be be honest. But I just never sat down and watched them. It was more like you could catch reruns after school kind of when you were procrastinating on homework and stuff. So I saw a lot of it, just I wasn't locked in on the Friday night. You, you looked like you probably had like a lunchbox that had Jaleel White's face on it. Mm-hmm. That's kind <laughs> of what not I, as Urkel. But not no, as Urkel. No, no, no. It, yes. it, it was a dramatic headshot of Jaleel White <laughs> yeah. when he was trying real hard to break out of the mold. But I wasn't really watching television on Fridays because Fridays to me, they, they meant excitement. They meant freedom. They meant yes. the start to the weekend. Yes. Yeah. But for some, Fridays were bad, 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 bad news, my friends. Some very unfortunate events have famously happened on Fridays in history. And we're going to learn which ones with a little game called What a Way to Start the Weekend. (laughs) This is another one where you're working together. So we're going to have to define who's actually pulling their weight a little bit more and who's got more weight to pull. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to read a famous historical or pop culture event. And Rob and Ray, you're going to work together to tell me if that event occurred on a Friday or not. First one, Black Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah. Friday the 13th, 19th. If you get all of these right, there's 10 events. If you get all of them right, you can take Monday off. Oh, Oh, that's nice. If you get more than three wrong, then everybody here is working for the weekend. Great. Mm -hmm. Pressure. Okay. So we have to tell you if it happened on a Friday or it did not happen on a Friday. Right. All right. Number one. President John F. Kennedy is assassinated. I think it was on a Tuesday. I, I, you would know better than I would. I think I could be wrong. No, wait a minute. Uh-oh. Oh, shit. This is hard. Hold on. Not on a Friday. That was on a Friday. Oh, that was uh, no Friday, November 22nd, 1963. What's your major in? Political science. Um, Presidential assassination. Yeah. <laughs> that happened Days on Friday. There's <laughs> <laughs> only one. I did my thesis. And it was a lecture hall class. <laughs> well, how about this one? 
the Challenger space shuttle explodes. That was on a, I know it was on a school day because the kids were watching it. I'm going to say it's a Monday or Tuesday. That was Tuesday, January 28th, 1986. Pearl Harbor is bombed. I want to say that's a Thursday. That was Sunday. Well, we still got it, though. It wasn't a Friday. Sunday, December 7th, 1941. Okay. The Hindenburg disaster. Did they have days of the week back then? No. <laughs> we don't have days or fire safety. <laughs> We're working on both, but we'll see which comes first. Ooh, Wednesday. Sorry, passengers. <laughs> on on uh, you think What do you think it happened on a Friday? Let me, let me give you my intelligent reasoning behind this. He hasn't he hasn't asked us a Friday one in a while. <laughs> so, That's fair. It, uh, so it did happen on a Friday. Yeah, let's say it happened on a Friday, Mark. No, that was Thursday, Son May sixth, nineteen. What time of day of Thursday? Yeah, because in India, man, in India, That's it true. was Friday. Yeah. 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 Amen. Uh, these are all also uh, Greenwich Mean Time plus eight. <laughs> Sorry, oh, thank the Olsen twins are born. Oh, boy. If they were born on Friday for TGI Friday, that's like the best freaking marketing ever. Yeah. I don't know the date that they were born, though. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know the dates the Olsen <laughs> twins, twins were, were born. born. So sue me. Friday the 13th, 1986. No they shit. Were born. Thank God it's Friday because the Olsen twins were brought into our lives. Well, you got it, dude. John Wilkes Booth shoots. Abraham Lincoln. Can we phone a friend? What day were matinees <laughs> back at Ford's Theater? That, I think that that feels correct to me. Yeah. Yes. That was a Friday. That was Friday, April 14th, 1865. I guess it was a play. Our American, it was the open, maybe it was previews. <laughs> previews yeah. of our American cousin. Yeah. Guys, can you believe it? Tonight's the first night we're actually going to run the show without stopping. <laughs> <laughs> so no matter what happens, we're going to keep going, okay? <laughs> we haven't done it all the way through yet. <laughs> we're just going to keep going no matter what. <laughs> Is that how plays are supposed to be? <laughs> The murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. Got real quiet. <laughs> and remember, try and think back, because Rob, you were there. I was. No, I wasn't, Matt Mark. You can't say that I was. Take the glove off. This was a big deal because wasn't he? I think I think it was on a Friday, right? Because then he was going to Chicago that weekend. Yeah, I'm going to say it was a Friday. That was Sunday, Sunday. June 12th, Damn it. 1990. Hey, you guys remember this pre-pandemic? Notre Dame Cathedral catches fire I remember, in 2019. remember that. I just don't know what day it happened on. It's crazy that that was technically only three years ago. That feels like forever ago. But, yeah. And I remember when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is huge. That's It's so old. This yeah. is horrible. Yeah. Did and they then, get the hunchback out? Watch it. <laughs> he started it. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. That dude was keeping They're timbers up there. They're investigating Quasimodo for arson. Look, I'm just going to give you this one. This was Monday, April 15th, tax day. Oh, tax day, yikes. 2019. How about the original Super Mario Brothers video game released? Oh, that feels like it'd be released on a Friday. Yeah. It's so like you can go buy it and play it that weekend. Yeah. Yeah, let's go Friday. It was a big Friday. Friday, September 13th, 1985 is when that was wow. first released. Before I was born. Before any of us were born. <clears throat> uh, Lorena Bobbitt cuts off oh. John Bobbitt's penis. That's a Saturday night activity. <laughs> that was a Wednesday night activity oh. for Lorena Bobbitt on Wednesday, June 23rd, 1993. She chopped that off. Can I sing you a song that I learned in first grade when that happened? Hit it, Ray. In the kitchen, the peaceful kitchen, Lorena takes a knife. Ooh. 
In the bedroom, the peaceful bedroom, Lorena takes a slice. A wiener chop, 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 a wiener chop. First grade, folks. That's incredible. That was good. That stuck with me. That that one stuck with me. That's when I realized that I wanted to get into songwriting. Unfortunately, you guys don't know incredibly difficult questions about historical events on Fridays. So you guys are working for the weekend. I want you here on Saturday and bring it in on. If you don't come in Saturday, don't bother coming in on Sunday. I wasn't planning on coming in on Sunday. Well, can we come back on Monday? I've got a. No, you get Monday through Friday or off. You only work Saturday, and I'm still paying you the same. I just want your weekend to be ruined. I got a family reunion. Bring them to the office. That could be fun. It's a better venue. (laughs) Because we're all meeting at the prison to see Uncle Al. Okay, never mind. (laughs) Well, I'll Skype them in. <laughs> Ray, where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram at This Was a Thing Pod. Go to our website, This Was a Thing.com, or check us out on Patreon uh, for $5 a month, the old Lucy level. You get exclusive content. All you have to do is search This Was a Thing on Patreon.com. And uh, we'll see you next week. Well, you'll hear us next week. Bye! Bye! Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut-Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 